We talk a lot on this podcast about independent artists developing their careers and turning music into a full-time gig instead of just a hobby. One aspect that we don't discuss enough is the financial side of things. I'm not an expert in that department, but here's a guy who is. Trevor Fisher of Way to Wealth Management is a local certified financial planner who can help you start planning your financial independence. Although Trevor was recommended to me by some local musicians and past guests on the show, he can also help young people plan for their financial future, help those close to retirement map out their next steps, get young families on the road to success, and more. Call Trevor at 204-471-3011 or email him at trevor at way2wealth.ca to get your finances on the right track today. All mutual funds provided through Fundex Investments Incorporated. Hey folks, this episode of the podcast is my conversation with Mark from Avant Prague outfit Cantor Dust, who are set to release a fantastic new album, Too Many Stars. I talked to the singer slash pianist about the record's entrancing, almost cinematic journey through the cosmos and a lot more. This is another episode that was recorded on a lunch break in a coffee shop, and those are kind of hit and miss in terms of sound quality. I think this interview is definitely understandable. Um, there's some background noise, but it doesn't ruin the conversation or anything. But as far as the kind of lunchtime coffee shop interviews go, it's on the crappier side in terms of sound quality. But again, absolutely listenable. It's a really fun conversation with a guy making really cool music. And I was really impressed when I, when I first heard this record. Even though Cantor Dust has been around for a number of years, I had never really given it the time of day before. Not, not on purpose. It was just a band that I'd heard the name of and had never really thought to delve into with any kind of depth. And I'm really glad I did. I didn't realize just how much interesting content there was in their catalog and especially with this new record. So it's a really fun conversation and I hope you enjoy the show. Get up up your ass and get up on the podcast. Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up up your ass and get up on the podcast. Which police radio? Hey, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm once again in a coffee shop, uh, the second home of the podcast. And uh, I'm here with someone who, you know, when we sat down, not on air, but we talked about how we haven't actually seen each other before. And in a small community, and especially since I've been doing this for as long as I have, and talking to as many musicians, it, we've never crossed paths. That is true. So that's, that's kind of cool. I mean, a lot of the time, you know, even if it's someone I've never interviewed before, we have met in passing or, you know, we've been at shows and, and things like that. But yeah, I think you're a new quantity to me, also in terms of your music, because I... I've heard the name before, and I hadn't actually sought any of it out and checked what kind of music it was. And I listened to the record, and I love it. It's it's really cool. And uh, so I have lots of questions for you based on awesome. that. Um, and I'm glad that happened because you know I get a lot of people sending me stuff, which is fantastic. I love the time. It's not really it's good for what it is, or it's just it's just not in my style. But what you're doing is is super interesting, and uh, I, I'm really glad I heard it and gave it the, the time to, to listen to it after your email. So. I really appreciate you doing that, and I think you're right, it is strange to come across somebody that I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of like, maybe comes down to being kind of uh, a little bit reclu- reclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do the same too, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe a, a good way to start then is like, I know you, you have a bunch of other records out before this one. How, yeah. What is sort of your background within the local music scene? Um... I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of uh, a little bit bipolar, it's um... I've kind of been doing the shut-in, shut-in musical thing for about 20 years. I think I made okay. my first album, 
And it wasn't until maybe 2005 when I played my first show. And oh, that wow. Was, okay. I was asked to play a show, and I had never even thought about that as even being an idea before, so I was nervous as hell, and I had to kind of, like, take all this stuff that was very multi-track heavy and find yeah. a way to convert convert that into a live environment. Um, and for some reason, recently, I, I found footage of that first performance, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting for me to watch how much the performance and the presence has kind of matured, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I bet, yeah. As, a 25-year-old compared to me being 40 now, a lot has changed. Um, and then I guess I, I kind of have this sort of uh, modus operandi where I would create something and play the hell out of it for maybe a year, okay. make the CD, sometimes, or very seldom if ever even do an official release, and then just disappear back into my okay. studio for another year and make more music and do that time and time again until I started working more... Uh, f more focusedly with other artists, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, I guess your your uh, sort of scope of of influence kind of increases, and the people that you know increases, yeah. and then getting people to come to shows increases, and it just the momentum can build. But it's really easy to make an album and then play it for a while, a year or two, and then just disappear. And in such a fast-paced industry as the sort of home roots music scene like yeah. in Winnipeg things move so quickly very that fast it, yeah. if three years four years go by without making anything or without playing anything it's you know people forget you're people out there people forget that you're out there yeah. if they ever knew yeah true yeah, yeah. yeah. well I guess um, what's, how do you define it I was looking on, on your website I think it, it was uh, this new album especially was described as I think it was Avant Prague is that what it said <laughs> which I, I kind of like it's, it's sort of a funny uh, <laughs> yeah the, it's, the genre thing's always really hard I just signed up for this distro kid and got the album on all the streaming yeah, services yeah. and I ended up having to choose alternative rock <laughs> which doesn't really describe it but <laughs> no, I guess it doesn't yeah, yeah. really but I don't really know what else I mean from project to project it also changes quite a bit like the last album was very instrument heavy mm -hmm. very technical a lot of progression within the songs and a lot more fast paced and then working with this one it kind of got stripped down a lot and I think Maybe it comes down to the music I'm listening to at the time. Okay. So um, I've really been getting off on listening to low a lot lately. Okay, yeah, so yeah, just yeah. like that kind of slow and heavy, really emotional, uh, fairly uh, cohesive vocals, and yeah, uh, giving everything a little bit more space rather than having that in the studio. You, I sometimes get this itch where you record a song, you're like, whoa. I have like a strings library at my disposal. Like now, all of a sudden, just layer everything on strings. Yeah, yeah. And like three years later, you're like, okay, how am I ever going to do this in yeah. a live environment? Yeah. It's not. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the having more space because I think that one of the most striking things about this new record is is the use of space and how everything is kind of um, it, it's evocative in what's not there. I think, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if that's something you did on purpose, like or you were striving to do. But I think that, I mean, obviously, the music itself does something but the, the kind of the, the, the spaces in between I, I think really add to the, the feel of it overall I, th I think that was a fairly conscious effort uh, I feel like the last record um, from 2015 I just felt it was always too busy it was too technical and yeah. playing it live was such a nightmare using click tracks and in-ears and like backing tracks and yeah, stuff to yeah. try and it just didn't make sense and it didn't feel like playing the alternative rock right right <laughs> 
So, especially playing with Nat, uh, Nataniel Felicitas yeah. uh, is playing cello with me. Uh, and together we had to take a look at a lot of these songs and be like, okay, we love this song, but we need to be able to play it live. Yeah. And on, on the album, there might be, you know, some cymbals and some s- snare and a different, like, bass line. But playing it live, it's just a two-piece. Just piano and cello. Well, my rig is piano and synth. Okay. And then I've, right, so you have a bit of yeah, versatility. Yeah, and I've thrown a kick drum under the piano now, too, just to be able to accent some of the, some oh, of cool. the bass okay. notes. And that is playing an electric cello, which allows her to really uh, increase the dynamics and the sort of frequency spectrum that her instrument occupies. So I feel like as a duo, we're occupying a fairly large space, so we're allowed to give ourselves more room, whereas I think in the past I was kind of like spastically like, wait, did I just hear like an eighth note of silence there? I could put something there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. So I I think it definitely took a conscious effort and it feels so much nicer and more relaxed to be able to play this more space. And is this the first, this is the first time you've been a two-piece, right? Like before that it was just you or uh, with collaborators or Um, how does does that work? Well, the last album, it was myself and then a drummer who recorded all the drums on the album. Okay. And then on the album, uh, Nat also recorded the cello, but there's a lot of like... uh, Sampled violins and and, and uh, woodwinds and things okay. and choral backgrounds. So when we were playing live, it was the drummer playing an electronic kit and myself, and then two backup vocalists oh, cool. to kind of okay. thicken that up. Um, it was it was it was all right. Um, in the past, I also did uh, some stuff with Justice Drummer. He and I have a fairly long history of just okay. playing music together. So, but this is the first time that it's. Yeah, well, Nat, it seems like it's formalized now that there's two of you, right? I mean, in your photos and kind of descriptions on the website and stuff, she's prominently featured. Yeah, I kind of see it, and I now is in like it's not sort of an ever morphing band that I feel like we've really hit a really positive groove, and I'd like to kind of see this through for a while because yeah, it yeah. feels spectacular to be doing. And you're right with the photo photo shoots and stuff. Like, yeah. we're, we're taking it more seriously and committing more than I have in the past. Okay, okay. I like the the space concept and the the, the, the overall kind of cosmic feel of the whole thing. Um, and just in reading about your other albums too, it sounds, seems like you have not, not that the space thing is, is constant, but just having a concept and an overall kind of idea for the record rather than just song, 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 song. Yeah. So what what is the kind of thought behind putting this one together? Like, what, what, where does that cosmic space thing come from? Well, it's this is a bit a bit of background is that pretty much all the other concept albums I've done have been very explicit stories. And right. I think that as I was kind of maturing as a human being, I was a little bit afraid of the vulnerability of being honest with lyrics and being kind of a little bit more present. So I I think I think the metaphors were sometimes pretty thick and okay. like all these superhero themes where sometimes it felt like I'm actually just telling a story. Sure. Whereas this one I wanted to have a theme and a concept, but I also wanted to be able to take some of those masks off and actually be a little bit more present and vulnerable in the music. So it's kind of about, it loosely sort of follows up with, as kind of a very loose sort of sequel to the last album in which the entire planet was destroyed and none of the superheroes in charge of saving humanity were either capable or willing to save humanity because we had made such a mess of our civilization and things were in such tatters that they're like, you know what, this is, you're done. So this is kind of like, loosely, these are some, some people that have managed to escape from this calamity and they're now forced to sit 
ultimately alone in space, okay. having absolutely no idea where they're going, having absolutely no uh, way of ever really looking back and seeing anything beyond destruction. And I think it's kind of sort of symbolic of some major life changes and some really hard periods of time in which I had been kind of just faced with a lot of my own uh, sort of more troublesome inner workings and being forced to actually address them and interact with them and talking about kind of, I guess, embracing this complete unknown of traveling weightlessly in space and maybe seeing glimmers of light in the distance and not knowing how long it's going to take you to get to them and having to say goodbye to a lot of the things that had been so prominent in the past and some of the indulgences that just aren't available on this metaphorical spaceship Um, dealing with like concepts of like cryogenic sleep and just uh, there's always kind of like a sort of a reference of escapism in the music that I write I guess it must be a reflection of myself but kind of like okay now that I'm alone in space how am I going to deal with all this stuff every single thing that I've ever used to cope with it's all going. life it's all gone and yeah. now I gotta like take some pretty serious steps inward to, okay. to look at what's happening
important is it to you that people kind of grasp the, the totality of the story? Because we're in an era where people listen to a few minutes of an album here and there, mm-hmm. and when you're doing something that's that kind of broad, wide-ranging, I guess, and covering a, a fairly large storyline, or, or even loosely, like you're saying on this one, do you want people to kind of take the whole thing in, or do you feel that they stand out on their own as individual pieces? Well, that's also another deliberate choice we made on this album to make it... I was listening to an old album called Blind Date, in which you can't just pick a song and listen to it because it's not going to make any sense. Right. Some of them are like a minute and a half long. You're like, I don't really know what's going on here. So this one was a very deliberate uh, effort to not have a cohesive storyline. There's okay. no cohesive okay. nar- narrative that follows the entire 11 tracks. So any song can stand out on its own and there's no narrator, there's no right. there's no story. It's more, It's more. This is considerably more of a concept. So it's not linear like the other ones maybe. It, in no yeah. way is it linear. Um, and it, I think it allows... If somebody were to listen to any track randomly, there might be bits of lyrical content or sort of melodic elements that they might gravitate towards or relate to. Um, but yeah, as I guess it's a short answer, absolutely, these songs can all stand okay. on their own. Okay, well, that's cool because that's I mean I think a lot of people have that problem where they want to do something that's more high concept or more kind of encompassing a whole record, but they're almost stuck because they know people aren't going to listen to it like that, right? Oh, so yeah, especially it's, now, yeah. It's, it's, it's changed so much the way people consume music. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't expect someone, unfortunately, to sort of give the time to a full, full-length full album anymore. Yeah, sit down for 45 minutes yeah. and listen to a... Yeah, which yeah. is it's too bad because I, I think it limits a lot of ideas like that mm-hmm. because people can just... They, they scrap them because they think, oh, it's not going to... I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. I mean, let's just have that kind of time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, that's interesting, yeah. Um, so what's kind of the... Uh, I mean, uh, I putting the genre thing aside mm. what's kind of the, the target audience for this like who, who listens to your music do you have do you have a, a grasp on that on who your fan base is and who's kind of digging what you're doing well that's a, that's an interesting thing that's been coming to light recently as we released our sing- single and I'm kind of looking at the responses on mm. social media and it's it's kind of, and the people that come and talk to me after a show and have sort of feedback and the same people that I see coming to multiple shows in a row and yeah. I, I find it to be a fairly diverse cross section which is really relieving for me because I've never really found myself gravitating towards or being able to identify with any sort of scene in, okay, in Winnipeg's okay. music community. And and uh, it's kind of wicked to be able to play a show with a metal band yeah, or yeah. with some sort of far more electronic music. And kind of anywhere you play, there's going to be a handful of people that are going to express that they were really moved by the music and able to relate to it. Yeah. And then kind of seeing... Like the people that are coming to the show, the age range is is very broad, uh, as well as the people responding on social media. It seems to be so. Uh, I don't really know. Actually. There is maybe there isn't. There may not be. A I, I think it's just people that like music. It's fairly like it's it's fairly soft. Like it's not abrasive. It's not. Uh, yeah, nobody's screaming on it or anything. Like yeah, that. There's, yeah, there's not a lot of like. Oh, I don't know. This stuff's too loud. Like it's it's fairly accessible. It's it's effectively fairly melodically beautiful and yeah, yeah. aesthetically kind of. I don't think people are going to listen to it and be like, oh my god, I, 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 you need to turn this off. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's, not, it's not the direction you want, for sure. Um, so, do you, are you ha- kind of happy that you don't necessarily fit into a particular scene? Like, is being sort of this nebulous thing, is that better for what you do? That you can sort of play, oh, here's a metal band, here's a, an electronic artist, here's somewhere else, and you can sort of fit in between all of those little communities? Yeah, that's really nice. It definitely poses some struggles sometimes because it's you're not really on as much of a radar and if somebody's yep. like okay we need we need like a 
we're going to be playing a pretty energetic set. We want like an energetic opener. Canterdust is not going to sure. come to mind first off. Although, if we were on that bill, I'm sure that it would probably go fine. Um, it makes it a little bit, a little bit challenging applying for to play at festivals. And I bet, yeah. Because it's hard to describe yourself, and if the people running the festival haven't heard you, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's hard to be like, hey, we're a we're like a a K-pop band or something. Like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, like, yeah. Or you're a rapper or a country singer. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes it a bit challenging, but I definitely take comfort in knowing that the the music is its own thing and it's not there's no element of it that it was built to conform to a certain set of blueprints right right
As far as live stuff, I mean, you mentioned festivals. What is kind of the ideal setting for this? Because it seems like I, I can imagine it working in a festival context, but I can also imagine it working in a very small venue and kind of an intimate. Uh, like you're saying, it's soft, it's not abrasive, it's kind of uh, it, it's pretty. You know what I mean? Like, a, mm-hmm. do you have a sort of preferred way to present it live? Um, I th- I think I want it to be pretty loud. Yeah. Um, when when the synth is kind of pushing the bass through, I like I like the feeling at the handsome daughter of the sure. of the room shaking. Um, we played at the West End, and that was it felt beautiful in a nice big venue like that. Yeah. Um, I guess beyond that, I don't know that it really matters that much. I think like we've played at XQs a couple times where okay. there's a lot of seating and we're looking out and seeing a lot of people sitting and just kind of enjoying things yeah yeah and then the last show we played at the Handsome Daughter we looked out and the f- there was two rows of people sitting on the floor in the front oh, of the that's kind of cool yeah it was pretty nice so I don't I think, think I've ever seen that in that venue I, I think I have once or twice but it, it kind of just means that I think wherever we play people are going to um, find a way to to enjoy it or if it's not their thing they'll go and have yes. a smoke or whatever sure sure but so to answer that question, I don't think there's an ideal environment. I think that I think that the music can fit. Uh, ideally, not daylight. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't imagine it working well in daylight either. Like, yeah, probably yeah. not going to be opening up for Al Simmons at the Forks or anything. Like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah. No, that makes a lot. That of would sense. be fun though. That would be a lot. Of fun. It would be interesting to see that reaction of that crowd to, to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. I, yeah, it seems like a nighttime thing mm. for, for in whatever context, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are there? Um, and again, because it's so atmospheric and because it's you got these storylines or loose storylines and it's evocative and all this, do you have like visual elements when designing the albums, things like that? Is that important? I mean, I know you have the video that just came out for the new single. Is kind of the visual representation of what you're doing, is that... Do you put a lot of thought into that as well? Um, as, as somebody who has absolutely no fashion sense at all, yeah. it's hard for me to think about things aesthetically. I really... I really like the sort of branding right now that my good friend Dave Twig did and when he created the, the album artwork okay. and the packaging. I am completely in love with the aesthetic of the video that yeah, Tyler, cool, Tyler yeah. Funk made. Um, very stark, very black and white. And another friend of mine, Matt Ferber, crafted us these glorious space suits. Cool. So I think we kind of take that aesthetic into the shows by wearing... Um, the kind of well the spacesuits are a lot of fun to wear and yeah. ever since I can't find my cape I've kind of been making uh, wearing a cape okay. kind of my thing but okay. beyond that I think having like a visual component at a show and having projections I think would be absolutely beautiful yeah. that's a whole other sort of band member that would be it is yeah it's a, it's a third member right you, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of that stuff as a duo it's hard to think about things that are not the music so if there was someone else who's like hey I'll take care of your social media stuff and sure. hey I'll, I'll make your your kick drum light up every time you hit it like, <laughs> yeah. someone, like it's, yeah. sometimes it's just hard to think outside of the actual musical creation Sure. if I were more if I were better at multitasking or had that kind of brain I think that I would love to take those things on and maybe yeah. as time goes on I will well it's um, the video like you're saying it's stark and black and white and then what you were talking about before was kind of the overall concept of, of just sort of floating in space with no no idea where you're going that's all super bleak it's very bleak <laughs> and I don't necessarily think all the songs in the album are bleak like I mean I, I don't think they're super poppy or anything but I mean there's definitely some points which are more upbeat I guess yep. and like so how do you kind of how do you balance that how do you balance having the, the, this, this bleak concept and then and then sort of making the music sound happier I guess in I, th- I think for lack of a better way of saying it no that's, that's a good that's a good perspective I think that like 
if I were to look at, if I were to take all of the songs on the album and arrange them in the order in which they were recorded, okay. I would definitely be hearing the more energetic songs coming four years ago as I oh, was really? finishing I Can't Find My Cape, which had a lot more liveliness and, and momentum to it. Okay. And then as sort of my taste in music change and as I started working more with Nat, things definitely became more sparse and stripped down. Um, as far as like... As far as it goes, I've always kind of taken a pleasure in having lyrical content and music, like the yes, the, the feeling of the music clash. Okay, and, yeah, I can see that. And kind of uh, throw people for a loop, and I think sometimes it allows myself to get out of convention and be able to say, you know, so if the subject matter is heavy and a bit a bit bleak or hopeless, there's other ways to look at it than. Rooting, slow. yeah, yeah, sure. There's there's ways to kind of, I guess, throw it into a different context and allow myself to see the same situation through an entirely entirely different sonic lens. Okay, I guess. And that is the opposite of what people expect too, right? People are expecting Sometimes, when they yeah. hear, especially when they hear something dark and brooding. The other way around, if the lyrics are positive or not beat, it's kind of yeah. And I think a lot of times when you're dealing with subject matter like floating through space and seeking some sort of hope or a glimmer yeah. of light, there's. I see it cinematically a lot when when a character will will be in a fairly disadvantageous position and see a glimmer of hope, and the music is kind of what yeah. brings that evokes that emotion from the audience. And if the music were different in that scene, the viewer would feel completely different. Yeah, it would totally change and the tone of it. Yes. Hope not, might not feel like hope, okay. and sometimes hope can feel frightening and scary and sad because you're like, well, that's hope, but that's like. A billion light years away. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Or, you know, it could be like that's that's a glimmer of hope, and it's really nice to know that I, that exists, even if it's a billion light years away. Yeah. So I like the cinematic description too, because I think that yeah, a lot of it does seem very kind of epic in scope, right? And and, and it's uh, again with the silences and things too. It's it's more like almost like a score at some points. I mean, there, there's vocals, and then that mm. that makes it all different. But with the cello, I think, and and with uh, all the piano stuff, it definitely comes across as kind of. Not background music, but but music kind of driving something forward, which is obviously the storyline. Yeah, or the loose storyline in this case. Yeah. I've I've always really wanted to. I, I think it would be a great deal of fun to make a score. For yeah, I bet. Yeah, it would be a blast. There's one environment where I sometimes watch movies because there's a child sleeping in this person's house that okay. they the volume gets turned very low and we put subtitles on, <clears throat> and it changes the movie entirely when the music isn't. It's not there yet. Yeah, accompanying yeah. the visuals. Yeah. What what's the uh, what are the details of the release? Because it's coming out uh, in the beginning of March, right? Yeah, yeah. So the details are <clears throat> we are uh, lucky to be joined by Ghost Twin and Tansy, uh, and we're playing on March seventh at the Handsome Daughter. Uh, doors at nine thirty. Music at ten. Uh, we're gonna probably try to be pretty concise on that on the ten o'clock start because we're all you know I'm forty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Tickets are 15 bucks, but we also are on our Bandcamp, which is cancerdust.bandcamp.com. We are uh, allowing people to pre-purchase the ticket, and it comes with there's the CD we'll be waiting for cool. them at the door, cool. and that's 20 bones for the for the two. Okay. So it's a good deal. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to, I know that 
as an avid music listener, I have one CD player, and it's in my car. Yeah. I, so. I kind of hoard them. <laughs> I, I still love CDs, and I have a, I keep old DVD players, and I just keep them in a closet, like, in case something's going to go wrong. I have a bunch of them, because they'll, they'll still play CDs, right? I mean, yeah. it's not the best, but I can still look at it from a stereo, and if I need, if something breaks, yes, I have this backup. But Where do you keep your uh, Laserdisc player? I don't have a Laserdisc player. <laughs> I, records, tapes, and CDs, as far as movies, I, I just stream everything. For some yeah. reason, movies are... Movies are important, but in my brain, they don't, I guess, take up as much uh, higher level of his importance as music does, because yeah. I don't have a problem streaming uh, movies, but yeah, with music, it's all physical. I, I, the packaging is sure nice. I think it's a big part of it, yeah. It's yeah. just the, the tactile element, and, yeah. and I, that's why I'm always glad when hearing that uh, bands are putting out CDs or, or tapes or records, because a lot of people don't anymore, which is crazy to me. There are people I've talked to on the show who, they just give out uh, download cards at their yep. release shows and it's kind of I don't know I'm, I'm always happy to get a physical something right like at a show even if I know I'm not ever going to play it because I just don't have a CD player right. I still like to have a physical copy for sure. especially of a local band's album for sure, it's yeah. just a rad thing it is and it's you know at some point it might not be available online yep. somewhere and you might be the only guy who has it 20 years yep. from now so it's kind of yeah yeah thanks and now that we've Somehow magically survived the Y2K bug. All right. of our CD players are still working. Yeah, they still so. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. And after whatever kind of like you know dystopian energy pulse or something happens in 20 years from now, at least our tapes will still work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as it's not magnetic. Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Should check out the uh, the show obviously, and then check out the album again. It's a, it's a great album. I, I've been listening to it quite a bit since you sent me the link, and awesome. uh, I really like it. Um, I'm gonna have to, I think, take it in a bit more after talking to you now, and sort of see if I can hear some of that, some of those elements you were talking about. Um, what's the best place to find out more information about when you have shows happening, or where they can hear your music, things like that? Um, I guess, strangely enough, well, we kind of update three or four things in tandem. The Manitoba Music website is. Yep pretty current with our videos. Facebook will always have the events. Um, neither of us are Twitter savvy. Okay. Instagram gets updated fairly regularly. Um, and then canterdust.com. Uh, everything updated will always be on there. Cool. Uh, canterdust.bandcamp.com allows you to go and 
kind of check out all the old, yeah, all the old library and everything. Are those still floating around there in physical form? Those old albums, or are they? Yeah, I got, I got a box. I got a cardboard box full of stuff, and I usually truck it out to some shows cool. and try to get rid of decade-old CDs yeah, yeah, for yeah. two or three, five bucks or whatever. Cool, and, cool. It's good to know. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice, nice to. Uh, I think one of the benefits of things like Bandcamp is you can just archive everything and yeah. then you don't have to sell it anymore. But you know, as a CD guy, I'm always happy to hear that they're floating around out there. Well, next time I see you, we'll bring a stack. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah. I'll definitely take them. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, if you want to hear more episodes of this show, go to witchpolice.com. All 450-some episodes are there for free download and streaming. You can also tune in on Sundays at midnight on 101.5 UMFM. And those are old episodes that get kind of a boost a few months after it comes out in podcast form. So I was doing the podcast for a little bit before you went and picked it up as a show so they're a little behind but it's kind of cool because you know say this airs four months from now by then maybe you have a bunch more shows planned and yeah, someone cool. can just listen to this go online buy the record it'll be out by then so it's kind of a cool little bonus uh, yeah that's right but anyway yeah, thanks for coming to meet me at the coffee shop and uh, yeah I really Pretty appreciate nice. it Sam cool got to go got to go got to go got to go
It'll be hard to find a woman now who wants what I've become. Fucking hell, it'll be hard to plow without poking in the bone. It'll be hard to find a woman now who wants what I've become. Fucking hell. Plow without gold.